0: With us right now, it's Matt Lesser. Matt, you are the founder of Uniquely Normal. You're found on the web at uniquelynormal.com. And you're the author of two books, Unsatisfied When Less is More, and this new one, which I'm really excited to talk about with you. It's called Unengaged, Building Flourishing Organizations. Great topic for this show. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Hey,
1: thank you, Josh. I have been looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Absolutely. Well, give us an overview of, uh, we'll get into the books for sure, but I'd love to learn about your work and who you work with and what
1: you do. Sure. So my primary audience is, uh, it's just kind of happened this way, is family businesses. And so of all shapes and sizes and, and all industries, And primarily my focus is working with the senior leadership team or the leaders in the organization in leadership development. And so starting out with, you know, whatever the pain point is, literally I custom build every approach. And so I don't come to the table with, hey, this is what you need. I have all the solutions to all your problems because every entrepreneur, every business owner, every business leader has a felt need. And so let's start there. And so we start with the felt need and then we often move into other areas, whether it's, you know, conflict management or conflict engagement or it's communication or whatever it may be. And so, you know, that's one area of the business. Uh, Also do quite a bit of speaking, whether it's uh, small audiences, big audiences, doesn't really matter. Just talking about either my work or my story or the books. And so uh, it's really kind of all the above.
0: So when you're working with leaders and or in companies, are you working primarily with one person, leadership team, or the whole organization?
1: Yeah, great question. And so I have done both. So uh, in addition, I do a lot of executive coaching. And so sometimes I will come in with coaching, whether it's the senior, whether it's the owner, the uh, CEO, or maybe his or her team, or it could be coming in and say, you know, I have a couple of clients right now that the, literally the owner of the company called me and said, hey, I've had a lot of turnover. I have a lot of new people, a lot of new people in leadership positions that have never been in those positions before. I need help. Can you come in please and help me develop those people. And oftentimes Josh, what that leads to is developing the senior team as well. And so, because it's a both and helping them relate better together, especially if there's a generation gap and, and they don't understand each other and they don't understand how to communicate with each other. So, I'm not giving you a specific answer to your question. I know that, but it's kind of a both and situation. And so I often start with one and then gravitate to another.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, how apropos, because I mean, this is something that I think has been in a lot of business headlines over the past couple of years. And again, that has to do with the title of your new book, Unengaged, Building Flourishing Organizations. And I think a lot of leaders and organizations are struggling more so than ever before when it comes to recruiting and retaining and then also motivating team members. There's just been a lot of movement there. And I think that, you know, you just look at all of the forces and disruptions that have taken place. And I have a lot of empathy for leaders. And I have a lot of empathy for team members, too, that want to work at a place where they feel like their work matters, they feel important, they feel value from the work that they do, you know, and the other stuff, right? They're fairly compensated. It's good work-life balance, that sort of thing. Give us maybe just kind of a thesis, if you will, to Unengaged. Well, you just honestly
1: described the first pillar. So there's three pillars to building a flourishing organization, empathy, empowerment, and excellence. And so the book unpacks these. And when I wrote my first book, it was a great learning experience. And I've talked to many authors since that have written multiple books. And they often told me, it's like, you will come to hate your first work. Well, I don't hate my first work, but it was a great learning experience. I have an amazing editor. So she coached me along the way. When I wrote the second one, I took a completely different approach. So it's a fable. It's a fable approach. So there's a story. that's There's a narrative that ties it all together. And it's the story of Paul. That's my character. And even though it's a fable, it's all rooted in reality, whether it is my personal experiences or experiences working with organizations. And he's on this journey, moving from one organization that had what I would describe as a toxic culture, and now moving to another organization, working for his best friend or his past best friend, and helping him maintain and build a healthy organizational culture, flourishing culture, empathy, empowerment, and excellence, So the book is in three parts. The first part is that. The second part, I actually pull in a model from the first book called the Flourishing Life Model, but applied to organizational culture. And then finally, the third part, Josh, is integration and application. I'm a big believer that we don't need more conceptual type uh, books that are ethereal and just idea-based. We need practical and implementable books that leaders can take and say, okay, great. You told me about Flourishing Organizations. You told me about the Flourishing Life Model. What do I do about it? And so the whole third part is the playbook. And so if you want, if you're serious about this, if you're passionate about this, here's how you do it.
0: And Matt, specifically when we talk about empathy, I don't mean to make this sound like a dumb question, but what does that look like? <laughs> or like well, actually, how, as leaders... Because we don't want to be fake empathy, you know, fake right. empathic, right? We we truly, and and I think that if our hearts are there, I feel like this is going to be easier than for someone that maybe has not extolled that virtue in the workplace. And, you know, their yeah. culture's a little bit broken in that regard. Maybe they've just been a little bit transactional, a little bit of the, you know, um, you give us an honest eight hours of work and we'll give you an honest eight hours of pay. And then, you know, whatever, it's... Um, you know, or maybe it's been done in a kind of a fake way that hasn't gone over real well. Like here, we're all family. <laughs> you know, that that's those sort uh, of
1: things. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the uh, family word in corporate settings because I am a huge fan of team, but I don't yes. like family because yeah. it's very difficult to fire family. And sometimes, unfortunately, you have to fire somebody. Um, honestly, I really like the way you described empathy when you talked about it a few minutes ago, because it's really about genuinely knowing people, understanding people, taking a relational approach, not a transactional approach. And what I encourage people to do is start with story. In fact, one of my first things that I'll do with when I work with a team, especially, is I will do my best to either get them off site or get them someplace where they cannot be interrupted and literally say, go around the table and say, share your story. And I don't mean the Cliff's notes version, I mean the full-on story. Because once you start sharing story, even if you're not comfortable with that or used to it, or to your point just a minute ago, you're more transactional in nature, there's something about sharing story that begins to open up the door to a person's heart. And once you see a person's heart, you will not view that person the same way again. And so I will actually often start with the CEO or the founder of the organization and say, and I'll pull him or her side beforehand and say, I want you to share your story, I want you to lead. And I want you to go deep and I want you to be vulnerable. And if they say, well, I don't want to do that. I say, okay, fine. I will go first. I'll share mine. And then you can just follow me. And Josh, I oftentimes, if that's all I get accomplished in a first session with a team, I consider that a success because the feedback that I get just from doing that alone is absolutely huge.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about being vulnerable as a leader and what that looks like. And I wonder how many of us, Think that, well, if I show vulnerability, that translates to weakness, and weakness is not an admirable leader trait.
1: That's, I think, what we have been told. I think that's a lie that we've been fed either from education or from our culture. And I disagree with it vehemently because oftentimes what happens is the exact opposite of what we think will. If I'm vulnerable, people like, oh, wait a minute, he's a real person or she's a real person. I can identify with that. All of a sudden we go from untouchable to touchable, not in a weird way, but just an approachable way. And so I'm a big fan of vulnerability because guess what? Every single human being on this planet has either experienced failure or we've experienced setbacks. We have weaknesses. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is super, you know, the super person that everybody thinks they are. And so I think we have put leaders on this pedestal, yeah, um, basically destined to fail because we say, okay, here, you're on this pedestal and you can never screw up. You can never fail. You can never show weakness. And all of it
0: is non-human. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I think about that, the work that I've done on the advising on PR and, you know, if you're going to be on stage and, or even in sales, right. When we're willing to just be much more transparent with people. I think that that brings a new level of intimacy, quite frankly, you know, between yeah. those people. Yet, you know, I'm still kind of wrestling that with a, like, let's say for example, and there may be some things that might not be appropriate to share with the troops, well, right? Yeah. If we're worried about, I don't know, if we're worried about things, you know, I think about, should I share with everybody that our sales numbers and our cash flow is kind of messed up right now? How can we maybe broach some of those sensitive topics in a way that's honest, but also well, we don't want to freak everyone out and have everyone look, (laughs) you know, start putting resumes out because they think we're going out of business. Because I as a leader, I'm going down with the ship no matter what, right? (laughs) So I'm here to turn this thing around at all times, but it's not to say that we don't have those fears that come up from time to time or frustrations.
1: No, you're exactly right. And I think that a lot of discretion and wisdom has to be applied. And you know, there are certain things that What I experience more often than not is that senior leadership, especially, they feel alone. They don't know who to trust and they're surrounded by people that want to please them. And so they don't know exactly what they can share, what they should share. And so one of my first things that I advise senior leaders is put together a personal board of advisors, have two or three or five people that you can meet with on a quarterly basis where you can be completely gut level, honest and fully transparent. And so that's where you start and then let them help you and say, okay, what's the next layer? Should I, should I bring in my other senior leaders or next layer? You know, you don't want to get in a microphone, and announce the entire organization. Okay. The ship's taken on water, but you also don't want to paint this picture that, oh my goodness, we're sailing high on the seas and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But people, there are certain people that need to know in your organization when you're hurting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think most importantly, you know, to let them know in the same breath or in the same, you know, conversation, here's what we're doing. And yeah, I I like that. So the book, and I want to make sure that folks pick it up again, it's called Unengaged Building Flourishing Organizations. Um, I think oftentimes too, it can be really easy to be just very frustrated with, you know, whereas a leader might say, I feel like, I'm doing the right thing. I feel like our top level leadership's doing the right thing, but gosh, darn it, I can't get these lazy people to come back to the office (laughs) or something like that, right? (laughs) And so, you know, that's how we look at, you know, disengagement or unengagement or quiet quitting or whatever you might want to call it, right? But can you address kind of that where it might feel like there is a gap there? Like one department's got it, the other department has it, like what's going on here?
1: Yeah, no, it's a, a common issue. It's a, how do we get everybody on the same page, rolling in the same direction and passionate about what we're doing. And really it that moves from, it starts with empathy and really helping people see people as people. I believe people are organizations, organizations are people. And we've lost some of that human element. You know, COVID did some things to us culturally that we're still trying to figure out. And so how do we bring back the human element in everything that we do? And then empowerment then is all about equipping and then releasing the people that you hire to do a job to do the job you hire them to do. You know, I can't tell you how many times, Josh, I hear people say, well, I was hired to do this thing. And then I've never really been allowed to do that thing. You know, either I've got 17 approval levels I have to go through or I'm micromanaged, or I have to put together 35 reports every week. So therefore I can't do my job. And so I think it's a matter of trying to clear the path and say, okay, listen, what do you need going to people and say, okay, what do you need to be successful in what you do? And so if a department or division is struggling, rather than trying to layer in more demands, more mandates, and say, do this, do this, do this, it's just going to them and having an honest and open conversation and saying, we're struggling here. Okay, what's it going to take? What do you need? How can I help you be successful as a leader or whatever, and then be open to what is shared? And then for goodness sake, do something about it the worst thing possible is you have that kind of a meeting and your people share with you and then you do nothing
0: about it. Oh, That's going to yeah. kill it. Yep. Because if you don't do anything about it, what are you teaching?
1: That my voice doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. yeah, heard, right. Oh saying. my
1: gosh. So now all of a sudden, now we would just went totally against empathy. So now we're reversed now. And that's how you lose people. So yeah. when I talk with leaders about it, okay, tell me about the last five people you left and why they left oftentimes it comes down to josh Uh, sometimes it's compensation related most Mm -hmm. times it's they didn't feel appreciated they didn't feel heard they didn't feel seen they didn't feel valued
0: now can i ask you to maybe to look in your crystal ball a little bit Uh, and uh you know when it comes to people leadership and when it comes to you know being a leader of people and, and great teams where do you think we're headed
1: oh my goodness I think it depends on if leaders start to embrace, you know, I'm not saying that I have all the answers because I don't, but I will say that it's interesting to me that there's a whole lot of noise on the street right now related to empathy, empowerment, making mm. sure that people feel seen, valued, known, heard, and loved. You know, I'm hearing more of the love word in corporate right now than I've heard in a long time. That's amazing. Sometimes it's a word you want to avoid. And so I think that's part of it. And so I think the other part of it is, you know, truly being able to equip people to do the job that they're hired to do. You know, it's, um, but I go back to when I wrote the book, I put empathy as the first pillar because I believe it's the most important. Obviously you have all three together, but if those companies that um, I work with a lot of companies and those that understand this and they get it, they don't have the same turnover. They don't have the same recruiting issues. They don't have the same lack of engagement issues that other yeah. companies
0: do. Yeah, I love this. Okay, so again, your website, uniquelynormal.com. you got two books, Matt, Unsatisfied When Less is More. And then of course, the new book, Unengaged, Building Flourishing Organizations. Both of those can be found at uniquelynormal.com. Aside from the books, uh, someone that's been listening to our conversation and they're like, I like this conversation. and And they want more of you. What would you recommend they do? My website
1: has a contact me information. So you fill it out and I will get an email or you can email me directly, matt at normal.com. And Josh, I am open to talking with anyone. I love having you know this kind of conversation. And if I can come alongside the leaders and help equip them and their teams to become a flourishing organization. And I talk about it in terms of, I wanna help leaders address their greatest people-related challenges because we live in intelligence era, right? So it's all about people. People, intelligence. And so if I can help leaders, equip them and their teams to become more intelligent when it comes to people-related issues, that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Matt Lesser, again, you are the founder of Uniquely Normal, your new books, Unengaged, Building Flourishing Organization. And of course, the classic, the original book is Unsatisfied When Less is More, which we didn't even have time to get into. Uh, But really great conversation, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate it.